What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Mookie Finance YouTube channel. Actually, welcome back. We're here doing another live stream. I know I was supposed to do these live streams uh, towards the end of the month, but you know, I got I got carried away a little bit. So uh, I got carried away, didn't get to the live stream at the end of the month. I apologize about that. It was my uh, birthday month, so I was celebrating a little bit too much, and I got a little bit backlogged in content. So I apologize, but here we are. Uh, better later than never, right? It's I know we're already a few is it two weeks into um, into uh, August, but that's okay. Um, anyways, before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to all of the private members. Uh, I can't pop this thing on the screen now, but I want to give a huge shout out to all you private members. You know who you are. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting my channel and for helping me to uh, really pursue my passions, which is to educate the masses. And I love coming on here on YouTube full-time doing this now. It's been great. It's been a learning experience and uh, getting adjusted to everything, smaller income as well, but that's okay. Uh, we're not here to talk about that. Tonight, I will have a few special announcements, uh, one that's been in the works for a couple of months. And then I'll also announce some stuff that I want to do for a giveaway. That's going to be happening once we cross 10,000 subscribers. So now we're at 7,500. Uh, so we got still, what, 2,500 to go. Uh, but for the giveaway stuff, at least, I'll give it away early. Um, I've ordered some of my promo merchandise. So I've got like pillows and uh, tumblers and pouches and T-shirts, decals, all that kind of stuff. So I'll be giving that away. Um, I like to do the giveaway on my other social media platform, which is Instagram. It's just a little bit easier because the YouTube uh, giveaway rules that I have to follow are a little bit different. So I will be doing that on the Instagram side. So if you want to enter for the giveaway, make sure you follow me on Instagram. That's just Monkey Finance. Um, you can find me there if you're on social media. Give me a follow and look out for that giveaway stuff. Now, before I do the other announcement, I'm going to wait for the rest of you guys to roll in. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chat. We got CM in the chat saying, what's up? What's up, CM? How are you? Here's Here we go. We got Progressive Jeff, private member. Shout out to you. Good evening. Hopefully, um, I'm not going to take up too much of your evening tonight. I know we all got stuff to do tonight, and I got stuff to do. But uh, this will be about a one-hour live stream. We'll do a Q&A like we always do. A little bit of a spur in the moment. Usually I announce these things ahead of time, uh, but uh, this one, I know I've been running late, so I said, let me get, jump on here and just do it. Uh, we got Anatoly17 in the house, another private member. Hi, Moki. A long time since last streaming. I know. Yeah, I was just talking about that, uh, Anatoly. So that's my fault. I'm supposed to do one every month, uh, but I didn't. Uh, it was my birthday month in July, and I celebrated, celebrated a little bit too much, and uh, that one slipped my mind, and then I, I remembered it last week, but... I had all this content that I was doing. I was like, you know what? I'll put it off until this week. So better late than never. Uh, we got conscious in the house says any good yellow option crypto plays AMC to the moon. <laughs> Just joking. Hey, what's going on conscious? Shout out to you too. I know you're on your uh, lunch break at work to watch this. So thank you for doing that. Probably won't have any options plays for you, but um, hey, you never know. You never know. As far as the crypto, no, no crypto. AMC to the moon. Yeah, AMC to the moon. Uh, let's do it. Progressive Jeff says, I just walked into the door from work, work gym and the wife, wait, and told the wife I can talk to her after Mucky. Dang, because he's going live. And she told me slightly annoyed to listen 
wait to go listen toy boyfriend wow wow um i don't know man i don't want to get you in trouble with the wife so i'm not that important trust me anything i can say here can be caught on the replay so don't don't uh, uh don't get the wife angry until he says cool i'm also a july guy hey happy uh, belated birthday to you as well in july um, so we got some people rolling in here, 18 people. I guess I can uh, start the announcement early, um, and then you guys that are watching uh, can fill in the the rest. I don't even know how many people will get tonight just because I kind of didn't promote this. But what I want to do um, as far as uh, what's going to be happening, this channel is not going to be affected with what's going to be happening in the future, but there will be some future content from me that will be popping up on a second channel. Uh, that channel is going to be titled The Monkey Finance Show. Um, that channel is... I have a vision for it. I don't know what it's going to end up being, but the reason for that channel, uh, I want to be able to engage with you guys a lot more in live streams, uh, be able to do one-on-one calls with you, um, bring people on uh, for the podcast episodes and things like that. So all that type of content will be published on that second channel. Um, Ideally, uh, what I want to do is every Tuesday and Thursday, I want to do a live show. Uh, It'll be live here on YouTube. Uh, probably one hour long, uh, and we'll be talking index funds, investing, saving money, all that. And that will be on that channel. Um, And then that will be converted into a podcast as well. So some of you that want to listen, you can listen. Some of you that want to watch, instead of watching a a blank screen, you can uh, watch me on the YouTube side. Um, So that's what's going to be happening. The reason I I split it up that way, uh, I always feel like I should explain myself before I do something. It's not a, well, it is a monetary reason, but The biggest reason is the way the YouTube algorithm works for this main channel, not that this channel has gotten that big, but I mean, in a year and a half, I've grown it from zero to 7,500 subscribers. Um, The algorithm has picked up that I'm an investing channel. And anytime I try to put content that's not Fidelity index fund related, um, it gets no views, right? Because the algorithm's confused. says, Monkey Finance is not about that life. He's not about that debt repayment life. He's not about anything else except Fidelity index funds. That's how the algorithm sees me. So when I do that, um, unfortunately, this channel will have to be all that. Uh, anything else that I talk about really doesn't get pushed. So that's all right. Uh, this second channel will be more of, a, of live streams. So you're going to see not just uh, live streams of me at the end of the month. You're going to see me uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll work on the timing. I don't know. I think evenings probably work best for a lot of people. But I'll work on the timing to figure that part out and see Um What's the best time to do that? Those will always be up for the replay, so you can always watch those and, and, and catch me on the, on, on the playback. And then I'll be, like I said, converting them into podcasts. What I'd like to do eventually is to open up like a um, radio-style uh, show where people can call in and, and give their questions live on the air, kind of like how we do in these live streams where you guys chat the questions. Uh, you put it in the chat, and then I just read your question. I think it would be cooler if you guys uh, either uh, spoke them to like a voicemail recorder or if you guys uh, actually called in and we talked live on air. Um, of course, I'll have to figure out the logistics of that, how that's going to work and and making sure I have uh, the proper equipment uh, so that I can hear you. You can hear me and all that. Um, Kevin P, what's going on? He says, Dave, like Dave Ramsey, but actual good investment advice. I got to be careful here. I'm I'm treading in deep water. Um, yeah, it'll be kind of like Dave Ramsey, right? You get to call in and ask your questions, and uh, I won't sell you mutual funds that perform 12% on average every year, unfortunately. But I will give you 
or, or tell you about uh, index funds that do about 10% a year. Carnivore, Carnivore nurse in the house. What's going on, Carnivore? Loving the uncut podcast. Good stuff. Thank you for the coaching session. You're a lifesaver. Absolutely. Anytime. That's another thing. Thanks for reminding me. I think in the giveaway, obviously, I want to give away the merchandise, but I think it'll be more beneficial to do some giveaways of the coaching session. Uh, so I do want to give a few free coaching sessions away in the giveaway as well. Uh, maybe uh, even uh, one month access to our private Discord server. Giveaway stuff like that as well. Not so, I mean, I encourage the merchandise. That's great if you guys want to rock the merchandise, but I want to make sure you guys are getting some value too. So those types of giveaways uh, will be coming as well. Uh, I, I do try to give her the, uh, give that as much as I can. I think the more we give, the more we get back. So that's awesome. Uh, Conscious says, deliver pizzas, beans, and rice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll be giving that type of advice on the show. Uh, it is the Monkey Finance Show, so it's my show. I could do whatever I want, but... I mean, I think the advice will be tailored more to the stuff that I teach, um, which is trying to get to a 50% savings rate, how to do that, uh, what's the most efficient way to do that. And then we'll do a little bit of investing stuff too. I'm not going to shy away from investing on that second channel, uh, but it will be more oriented to to setting you up financially to win. Um, there will be some philo philo philosophical stuff too uh, when it comes to uh, stuff and people's attachment to stuff and people's spending habits and why they spend the way they do because i think all that is interesting and it all sort of ties back together with um personal finance and investing i think it's great you know that we all are, are invested in low-cost broad-based index funds but if we're not able to save enough to invest early and often that really does uh, set us back a lot so that's going to be the goal of the second channel to uh, help people and set them up on 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 a path to be good investors and to be good stewards of their money and to to know uh, in all aspects of their financial life how to control it, not just you know put it in index funds, but uh, not really knowing um, spending patterns, savings, where to save, how to save, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it will be interesting. Again, that's the goal. That's the vision that I see for that second channel. Is it going to get there? I don't know, right? I mean, this journey with the Mokey Finance, just Mokey Finance YouTube channel has been a journey going almost on two years now, like I said. And it's great that it's gotten to the point where it has, but you just never know where this thing is going to take you. You never know uh, which way YouTube is going to swing. And, and you know, today I can be in favor. Tomorrow I could be out of favor. Uh, just uh, like the, uh, uh, the actively managed mutual fund. ARK Invest and them funds. Uh, yes, you know, I might be having a tailwind and doing really well one month and then the next month it's all uh, downhill from there. Kancha says, so a one-stop monkey finance shop. Wait, what do you mean? So a one-stop monkey finance shop. I'm not sure what that means. Are you talking about like a, a monkey finance, like a physical shop or are you just saying that as a, as a metaphor? But while you guys are rolling in here too, if you have some questions, lay them on me. This will be a shorter live stream, about um, one hour. See how, where we're we doing with time. We get 11 minutes in. So this will be about an hour long. If you're in here, hit the thumbs up button for me. Helps uh, get more people in. I know it's a short notice live stream, so probably won't have the, you know, 60, 70 people we typically have, but that's all right. John says, you got to believe, Moki. Believe. I do believe, John. I'm a big believer. I think uh, it's amazing 
how uh, how far I've gotten just in the year and a half uh, of doing this. And I think uh, the uh, opportunities and what lies in front of me is is really endless as far as the different routes I want to take. I did for a long time consider becoming actually a financial advisor. I've kind of shied away from that now. Uh, I think I like helping people more uh, from a sense of either giving free financial advice like I do on the YouTube channel or in my coaching business where um, I work on helping people kind of restructure uh, how they spend their money and leaving the advice part out of it. Uh, just because financial advice is, is a tricky industry to be in. So uh, it, we'll see. We'll see uh, what happens. But I am optimistic. Of course, I'm always optimistic. And uh, uh, hopefully big and, and, and great things are lie ahead. And you guys might be uh, watching, you know, the beginning of something that who knows what it can turn to turn into. So thanks for the support, John, and uh, for the encouragement. Uh, it says, metaphor was saying you'll basically be a everything financial. Yes, exactly. Okay. It, it just flew above my head conscious. I didn't understand, but I understand now. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I want to be a one-stop shop. I want you guys to be uh, educated, entertained at the same time and really, um, you know, be a, a pillar in the community of, of sound investing and good advice. I try my hardest too, but you know, sometimes even in this past video that I put out where I made a mistake, sometimes mistakes are made. Again, it's a, it's a journey and uh, we'll learn from them. But yeah, I do try to be a one-stop shop as much as I can. Jimmy J, what's going on, Jimmy? Says, hi, Mucky. Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a good evening, Jimmy. Uh, cheers to everybody if you guys got a drink. For those of you guys that are missing the early announcement that I made, there will be a second channel. Uh, actually, I might be able to see if I can chat with the second channel. Because I'm logged, I think I'm logged into the second channel. See if the second channel pops up in the chat. Boom, there it is. That red logo. By the way, it's red, not green, if you notice, because you can, one, you can find me easier that way. But two, a little bit of a play on Fidelity and Vanguard. So, Maybe some more Vanguard stuff on that second channel. Who knows? Uh, I'm not gonna say. Um, I'm not gonna say a lot about that, but uh, potentially, potentially could be more Vanguard related. We'll see. Robert William in the house says, "Hey Mookie, what do you think about FNILX? FNILX, the Fidelity Zero, I believe, is what you're referring to, the Zero Large Cap uh, Index Fund. I like it. I think it's a good fund." I've talked about, I think, I don't know if I've ever dedicated a whole video to that fund itself. Talked about it on my channel as a group with all the zero funds. Um, it's kind of like a S&P 500 large cap blend type fund. I think it should be a staple in everybody's portfolios. Um, and if you want to own the lowest cost, that's the way to do it. Now, I will change my stance on having it in a taxable uh, after recent events that transpired with FISVX, which I'll touch on a little bit later again, but I do no longer uh, have that stance that you should have it in your taxable. I think you should have it in your tax advantage accounts if you want uh, to own a fund that's large blend. Uh, obviously, it does have the potential to pay capital distributions in your taxable. It will be better than FISVX in a taxable, that's for sure. Um, I don't see it having a turnover of more than 7 or 8%. Um, but at the same time, with Fidelity funds, you just got to be careful with these newer funds. They're unpredictable. 
Uh, we, we've seen that now with FISVX, but also with new funds without a long track record. It's one of, you know, one of the things that Bogle always, when I read his books, he would always talk about, you know, look at a fund's track record and look at its performance, not necessarily to see how well it's performed in the fa- in the past, but to see how close it's tracking the index. Well, the problem with that is with the newer funds is you don't have data on how long it's tracked the index. You only have data for a year or two, right? So it's kind of hard to say ahead of time, what is it going to turn into? Um, of course, these... Um, uh, large blend funds with low turnover, they're pretty predictable. Um, the small caps, I guess, not so much. And um, I kind of got dinged for trusting uh, trusting uh, that those will be lower turnover over time as well. It hasn't proven itself that way, but we'll see. So just be careful with FNILX and owning it in the, in the taxable. Uh, Concha says red and white logo. I love it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a, of a shout out to Vanguard. Um, so... Um, yeah, we'll see what that, uh, what that means on the second channel, Brandon, what's going on, Brandon thoughts on multi-factor investing. Uh, so, uh, Fidelity's come out with, uh, quite a few multi-factor funds. I think it's starting to catch on as a trend. I know we've had some discussions, uh, even on, in my comment section about people that, uh, saw my video about AVUV and kind of, you know, why, why don't I believe in all the factors? Why don't I believe in profitability uh, or momentum or some of these other uh, factors? I, the, for me, at least, this is just my opinion, of course. Uh, don't, don't be hurt by what I'm saying. This is just what I think. And because I don't invest in it, invest in it I'll tell you why. But I think like multi-factor is starting to turn into sort of a fad and it's starting to turn into uh, potentially people become becoming closet index investors, but charging a higher expense ratio to do it. Um, so I do believe in the factor three model by Fama and French, and even the factor five model to a T uh, not to a T to a certain degree is what I'm going to say. The factor three, I believe to a T the, their original study. But um, I think the new factor uh, investing uh, funds that are coming out, especially the ones that are coming out from fidelity, uh, they're, they're like a marketing ploy to me, uh, charging 30, 35 basis points. Um, so we'll see. I could be wrong. It could be the wave of the future, like thematic investing and all this other uh, things that I call nonsense. It could be the future. I don't know. But I like to stick to to broad, broadly based. I don't like to eliminate uh, based off uh, different factors uh, because you could be wrong. And if you're wrong, you might underperform. A simple index and if you underperform a simple index you're paying still at 30 35 basis points expense ratio is it worth it in the end right so i don't know um if if, if you've done your homework on it and you believe in it uh, brandon um by all means you know uh, go for it but tread lightly and and understand anytime you see a higher expense ratio really ask yourself is the value that this fund delivers greater or is it going to make up uh, for it with the expense ratio or is it just simply uh, another marketing ploy to to take more money from from investors and put it in the pockets of of fidelity and and, and these other uh companies jimmy j says what do you think of vo and vb vovb is vb the small cap i don't know what vo is what is vo bear with me one moment i might have to Oh, stock. 
Mid cap index. Okay. I haven't looked at Jimmy. I haven't looked at VO much, so I don't know. I don't know much about it. Um, let me just look at the Fidelity, uh, not the Fidelity, the Vanguard website. But VB, I do know a lot about. Um, VB is the small uh, blend offering from, uh, Fid- uh, what do I keep saying Fidelity, from Vanguard. It's the small uh, blend offering from Vanguard. Tracks the crisp index. It's fine if you're looking for a small blend. I think there's nothing nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's low cost. It's broadly diversified. And it kind of uh, checks off all the boxes. So VB is good. Let's take a look at VO real quick. 373 stocks. Crap, uh, the crisp U.S. mid cap index. Yeah, this seems like another pretty much mid-cap blend fund. So, yeah, both of these, uh, Jimmy, are fine. They're mid-cap and small-cap blend funds. Nothing crazy about that. Pretty simple funds. Um, uh, Most of the Vanguard funds do track the crisp. It's just a different index. I have my opinions about the crisp. I like the Russell better just because it's one because I know it better and then it's older. It's a little bit uh, broader, but... It's just a difference of indexes, but it, they're good funds. They're not. There's nothing wrong with them. Progressive Jeff says, subscribe to a second channel. Appreciate it, Progressive Jeff. Uh, let's get maybe if we can get like two or three subscribers to that new channel. I know there's no content now, but there will be live call-in shows. So subscribe for those. John says, I just added a new fund to my Roth IRA, SCHD. What do you think? SCHD. Uh First of all, John, how old are you, John? Uh, are you 10, 15, 20? Actually, don't tell me your age. I apologize. That's rude to ask somebody how old they are. How far away are you from retirement? Or how far away are you uh, in, in, until you want to stop accumulating? Because SCHD, large uh, value fund, high dividend. It's a good thing you have it in your Roth. You're going to protect yourself from those dividends. I preach about that all the time. People that want to be dividend investors, is no, I got nothing against you, uh, but try to tax protect them. Um, it really makes no sense for a 20-year-old to collect dividends in a taxable, only to then pay uh, 15% taxes on those. It just it blows my mind why people do that, but they do. Uh, John says he's 50. Yeah, that's about the uh, 12 years, but I'm aggressive, yeah. So it's a good time to probably start... Uh, uh, you know, tilting more towards large value and tilting more towards a higher dividend yield, especially in today's markets, because we're not really finding it from the fixed income. You know, my recommendation would be if you're 50 and you're 12 years away, but you're still aggressive, probably better to be like what you just did in SCHD than be in a, a total bond fund, because it's going to pay you, if you're lucky, two, two and a half uh, percent. So it's the the fixed income side has been worrisome how little it's been paying for how long it's uh, been paying that little so yeah i i like it but just remember john that in a market correction schd is not going to be any safer than than voo or, or any of these other ones if the market goes down you're going down with schd as well even though it's a it's a, a dividend uh, uh type etf it doesn't matter the the market doesn't uh separate those out they they take them all down so be careful with that as you get closer to kind of your decumulization, decumulation, what I'm trying to say, not decumulization. Um, when you start, uh, stop accumulating and start and start to live off the income. What's that called? Decumulation. I can't even, man, I can't think. 
you know what I'm trying to say, John, when you're getting ready to draw on your portfolio, just make sure your risk tolerance is lined up uh, with um, with uh, uh, your risk uh, profile. So if you got like a million bucks and you got, I don't know, 20, 30 percent in SCHD, there's a market correction. You might draw down. There you go. Thank you for that. You might. Um, I think I've had too much already. But yeah, you might start opening yourself up to more risk. My plan personally, when I turn 50 is to be about maybe 20% in fixed income and 80% in equities, uh, equities being split between total US, total international, and still a little bit in small cap value. But I, I, I would like to think around 50, I'll probably be decreasing small cap value and adding more fixed income. Uh, but that's uh, kind of where, where I stand. Um, I don't know too much about your background, but uh, not a bad choice if you're looking to get some uh, additional yield in times like uh, today where we don't have it from fixed income. All right. Did I skip anybody? No. All right. Brian Tang. For low mid cap ETFs, do you tilt more to value or to growth? Um, so me personally, I tilt more towards value. Uh, again, not that I'm a, I'm not a value investor. I think uh, I might maybe get... Uh, uh, mislabeled as a value investor. I'm not a value investor by definition, right? So by definition, if you're a value investor, you're somebody like Warren Buffett who's out there searching for deeply discounted undervalued uh, individual stocks to pick from. And even if you're a value investor, like an index value investor, you're looking for funds that have low uh, price to price to book uh, uh, ratios, closer to one, you're looking for deep, deep value. You're looking for some crazy value tilts. Um, that's not me, right? But I do uh, like to tilt uh, to small value, 20% of my portfolio, not for the fact that I believe, oh, I do believe, but not because uh, for the sake of going at, uh, at the deepest of deepest of values. I just think that category, small value, so small caps and then, and then uh, value companies, have historically outperformed. Of course, you can go deeper uh, value and probably grab a little bit better performance or maybe worse in some decades. It just depends. But that category of small uh, value is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'll get to you, South Richmond. I'm sorry, I, I did skip you. You're right. I, I You got uh, squeezed in between John's comment. But yeah, so Brian, to answer your question, I do like value on the small caps, even value on the mid caps. Uh, they have historically over the past 50 years done better than blends and done way better than growths. If you want to see the historic data, I do back test on portfolio visualizer mids and smalls all the time. I actually have a series called value versus growth, and I've done it on large caps. I've done it on mid caps. I've done it on small caps, and I break down every single one of them and show you what the typical performance has been over the past 50 years and you can kind of make up your own uh, mind. Let's get back to you, uh, South Richmond, T-O-F-L. Let's see what you said. FXNAX versus FTBFX. Thoughts on FXNAX seems to be more recommended a lot, but FTBFX looks to outperform. My favorite buzzword is outperform, FT. Uh, where are you at? FTBFX. FTBFX. Now, before I look at this, FXNAX is a uh, Fidelity Total Bond Market Index Fund. It pretty much has 
most of it is is treasuries. It's got 20, 25% corporate bonds. It's got a little bit of uh, some mortgage-backed stuff, uh, but the majority part is treasuries. It's a bond index fund. It's not great. It's not all-encompassing. has some issues. And I mean, the bond market's huge, right? It's a huge market to index to, and it's hard to to index to it effectively. So it's it's not uh, the best, but it is a good probably recommendation to most people if they tell you to get in a bond fund to do it through the index. Bogle writes about this in his book, his first ever book that he wrote, uh, Bogle on Mutual Funds. When it comes to bonds, is a very easy way to figure out how a bond will do better um, versus another bond is to look at the expense ratio. In equities, you can have other parts where it outperforms, but usually uh, in bonds, if the expense ratio is higher, then uh, the capital appreciation is going to be lower on, on the bond side. Not always the case, but usually. So I'm not familiar with FTBFX, but I'm looking at it right now. And it's got a expense ratio of 45 basis points. So it's a little bit higher. Seems like it's actively managed. Let's take a look at the issuers. So yeah, it's pr- primarily uh, primarily United States Treasury bond. You got some FNMA. So got some mortgage-backed stuff. GNMA. Okay. So yeah, it, it looks like it's a bond index fund. Does it say total? Yeah, it's total bond, but actively managed. And let's see how well it's done to the uh, Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. You're right. It has beaten it. Uh, in the past 10 years, it's done 4.21% while the total uh, bond aggregate index has done 3.39. Wow. That's by a lot for, for bonds. That's almost uh, one entire percentage point. Wow. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this one, but it looks good on the performance. Let's take a look here. I just want to get into the breakdown of the fund. Let me take a look at the composition. Just want to make sure what the percentages look like. Mm, okay, so easy. I see why it's done it. So what I want you to do, uh, South Richmond, go to the composition tab of this FTBFX and look at the fixed income style map, and you'll see... Uh, under credit quality, it's listed as medium, right? So the total bond market's listed as high credit quality. There's a trade-off with credit quality. The lower the credit quality, um, the higher the yield, right? So the riskier it is. So yes, this fund has outperformed the index fund, but it's done it using lower quality bonds that it holds within it. If you take a look here, it's got 41% in corporate bonds. And when we look at the ratings, of the corporate bonds, which is very, 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 very important. When it comes to AAA rated bonds, it holds only uh, 4.68% AA bonds, 2.68%. So most of the bonds that it holds in here are triple B rated bonds. So yes, it, it, it will outperform, but it's taken on more risk. Uh, it's got it's a higher risk of defaulting on those corporate bonds. So does not mean that because it's gotten away within the last 10 years that it'll continue to get away with it in in uh, the next 10. So I really encourage you, if you don't have a copy of Bogle on mutual funds, read the chapter. I think it's chapter five where he talks about bond funds. And a lot of active funds will do this. They will hide uh, lower quality bonds within the bond fund to show that they've done better. Um, but really, it, when it comes to bonds, just look at the expense ratio, pick the uh, highest quality with uh, 
the least, well, not the least, moderate interest rate sensitivity and uh, the cheapest uh, expenses. That's what I usually go when I go with uh, with bonds. So hopefully that explains that. Uh, I don't want to drag that explanation any longer, but that's that's my thought on it. Think, uh, think until you're with. Oh yeah, that's what I was trying. Wait, what? Think until you're withdrawing. It'd be better to be in VOO. Yeah, conscious. So that's probably going back to what I was telling John. It it would be, but then again, like here's the so here's the the example I want to use. Let's say it's 2005 and I'm 50 years old and I stay in VOO, and I'm like John. I have 12 years till I retire. Well, 2005, so that'll take me to 2017. Um, I would have gone then through, uh, almost a 50% max drawdown, uh, eight years away from retirement. So if you stay in VOO that long, you open yourself up to a drawdown that could cut half of your portfolio and potentially not give you enough time to recover. Um, let's say it's 1999 and I'm 12 years away from retirement and I'm in VOO. I lose 50% in 2000 to 2002. I lose 50% in uh, 2008 to 2009. And just as the stock market starts to recover in 2012, I'm retired and drawing uh, basically at all-time lows. So I, I don't think it's it's wise to be 100% equities all the way until you're ready to draw uh, because it never almost works out that way where you're going to draw and the market's going to be at all-time highs. That's ideal. Uh, but you know we can't predict that, so that's why it's probably better at 50 and on. That's my plan, anyways. At 50, to to start transitioning to fixed incomes uh, using uh, total bond market index funds. All right, George says, which Vanguard ETF tracks Russell small caps, and which one tracks Russell mid caps? Vanguard has. Uh, I don't know if they have a, well, you're looking, George, uh, for the value uh, Russell or just like the regular Russell 2000. Um, I think there is a Vanguard uh, Russell 2000. Actually, I don't know if there's a Vanguard Russell 2000 ETF. Let's see. There probably is. Yeah, there is. VTWO is the uh, Vanguard Russell 2000. So, I own in my M1 finance account, and I'm a big fan of VTWV, which is the Vanguard Russell 2000 value. But if you're looking for the for the uh, Russell 2000 uh, blend, then small blend, that would be VTWO. Um, it's 10 basis points. So it's actually a little bit cheaper than the uh, VTWV part. So that uh, is your small caps on the Vanguard side. Uh, Brian says, is it unwise to have multiple value index funds in a brokerage fund? I saw the vid about taking out via FISVX from your brokerage. Is it unwise to have multiple value index funds in a brokerage fund? I'm not sure what you mean by that, multiple. Um, I only have one, which, well, I still have one. It's just uh, ETF now. It's VIOV. Uh, but my strategy, I don't know, Brian, if you're familiar with it, but it's a three fund strategy. I own 60% total US a stock market. I don't tilt the value or growth. I just large cap blend there. Same thing on the international total uh, international market, 20%. And then the only time I tilt is the 20% small value. Uh, that's the only part of my portfolio I tilt. On all my accounts now, I only own three funds, except I guess now in my um, taxable, I do have a uh, municipal bond fund that I bought from Vanguard VTEB. 
that's my house down payment. So uh, that one I'm not going to be investing in inequity. So I guess that doesn't apply. But um, yeah, I don't think you should tilt uh, too much to, I mean, again, I'm not a value investor. So don't listen to what I'm saying. If you want to tilt the value, you can tilt to value. Uh, I know we got some private members that are going uh, kamikaze tilting into uh, all value, uh, kind of Paul Merriman style, which is fine too. I mean, Merriman has a lot of research that supports that. So that's what you want to do. Um, I think it's whatever you want to do, test it out first and, and before you kind of go ahead, head on and, and, you know, dump a hundred thousand dollars into it and then later on realize, oh, this is not a good strategy. So that's what I recommend. Progressive Jeff, when considering the best pizza, do you tilt to more of a deep dish Chicago style or tilt more to a brick oven? Uh, style pizza. I definitely tilt to the uh, deep dish. Being a Chicago boy, I do tilt to uh, deep dish. Uh, shout out to to Giordano's deep dish pizza. Actually, now I'm hungry. I might have some. But every time I call those guys, man, it takes like 45 minutes to an hour just to get a just to get a pizza. But they are good, so I do tilt to the deep dish. Eric, how's it going? Uh, shout out to you. What's going on, Eric? Hopefully, all is well. All right, a little, little refreshment break here. How we're doing on time, guys? 37 minutes in. All right, we're doing pretty good on time. Uh, my refreshments have not, uh, are not going to, well, no, this this will last me till the end of the hour, hopefully. I was going to say my refreshments are going to run out, but maybe not. All right, let's see. David, you're next. David says, why did you shave your mustache? Is it really tied? It really tied the beard together. Um, that's a good question, David. So every once in a while, uh, this beard is getting out of control, by the way. Every once in a while, I do shave off the mustache, David, um, for special occasions where I know I'm going to be eating a lot. If I have a really long mustache, the food tends to uh, tends to be like a, like a mud flap. It collects all the food. Um, and if I'm going to like a real nice place too, I'm not trying to, uh, have food all over my mustache, kind of embarrassing. So I do take the mustache off from time to time just to give me a clean, um, uh, clean mouth to eat with. And then it grows back out and then I'll shave it again. But yeah, it does tie the beard together. Uh, give me a week and the, and the mustache will grow back in. I'm sure if you watch my channel, you'll probably see videos of me without a mustache. And then a week later, I got a full on mustache again. So. It will it will be back. Uh, John says New York style pizza is the best. Mm, I'm gonna have to disagree with that one, John. Have you tried Chicago deep dish, like authentic Chicago deep dish? I think you'd change your mind. Unless you, I guess if you don't like cheese, then maybe no. All right, Eric says, did you already cover the brokerage account FISVX? My question is, what type of Fidelity ETF can match? that in a brokerage account. Uh, I didn't. That's This is a good time to segue into that that controversy. Um, I put out a video, um, if you guys want to watch, on what happened with FISVX. I mean, it just it was a fund that I came on here and touted as the best fund since sliced bread. It was a fund that surprised me with some capital distributions, not any capital distributions. It had a lot of short-term capital distributions. And of course, I was holding over, I think at the time, 11000 uh, $500 worth of it in my taxable. So I got hit with over $859 in, in distributions. Um, because of that, I 
I soured on the fund in my taxable. I really did. Uh, because going forward, I do plan on having this be a million dollar account. And imagine having two hundred fifty or $200,000 in a fund that pays out 7 8% in distributions. That will really, really hurt uh, and create a huge tax drag. So I sour, soured on it. I took a, a loss on it and sold it and bought VIOV, which is now the S&P 600 value uh, fund from Vanguard. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm still trying not to be too emotional about that fund. It's, it's, it was a one-time distribution. It's not like um, I'm going to cut all ties with it, but I am watching it now. And I need to see the turnover by the end of the year come down to uh, well under, you know, 40% in line with something like VTWV, which is I think 38 or something like that. And if going into next year, it doesn't start to come down, then it's probably a fund. And, and I'll do many, many videos on this. I'm not going to leave you guys in the dark on it. But if it doesn't come down, it's just going to be a matter of having to switch to another fund. And unfortunately, Fidelity does not offer uh, any good ETF solutions. So I do have to look at Vanguard for ETFs. Uh, you can look at iShares. You can look at uh, Avantis if you want a little bit more of a deeper value. Uh, those are some of the picks that I would recommend, but uh, no options from Fidelity at this time. Kevin P coming in with the super chat. I appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, all gas, no brakes. Don't hide the truth from the masses. Small cap value. Also deep dish. Also deep dish is not pizza. It's a casserole. Hashtag facts. All right, Kevin. Hey, hey. So Kevin, yeah. First of all, thank you for the super chat. Thank you for uh, for the support. I really appreciate it. All gas, no brakes. I really love that mentality. You know, it's starting to spread like wildfire in the private Discord. Uh, all gas, no brakes. <laughs> um, Kevin's uh, Kevin's rolling deep in the value. He's he's deep deep in it. Um, I, I'm not hiding the 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 uh, truth from from the masses, Kevin. But it's uh, you know how I feel about uh, not getting too excited, especially for beginners who might not understand small cap value. And, and yeah, it could be great, but it can also be dangerous in a time where it underperforms and a lot of people kind of might run away from it. So I'm trying to be inclusive of small cap value, but only at a 20% level. But uh, we all, like I said, we all got our own opinions. So, but hey, thanks for the super chat and for the uh, membership support. Um, let's see who's next. We got Rose in the building. How's it going, Rose? Hopefully everything's going well. Um, Eric says, awesome new podcast episodes, by the way, The Bagel. Yeah, if you guys missed this most recent episode, The Bagel and the Donut, uh, one of ba uh, John Bogle's favorite uh, metaphors or analogies or whatever you want to call it, but it's a good listen. Uh, man, I really love doing the podcast and I'm excited to bring them live on the next the second channel too. So you'll get a, you can listen to the podcast. Like I said, you can watch me in video form on the second channel uh, those podcasts are uncut, unedited, and just me behind the mic. I usually got the fireplace going. I got a candle lit. Uh, maybe I got a beverage, and I'm just talking off the top of my head. So love doing those. Kyle says, what's up, Monkey? Thanks for your videos. Thanks, Kyle, for watching. I appreciate it, bud. Uh, so should I sell my ITOT, my ITOT shares, in my taxable account with Fidelity? Absolutely not. Um, ITOT is the total stock market from is it BlackRock? Black yeah, BlackRock iShares. Um, it's a it's like VTI, and you, if you have it in your taxable, I think that's the right place you should have it. Uh, do not do not do not sell it. That should be a core holding, unless of course you need it to live off of. Then 
uh, by all means, don't listen to me and sell it. Uh, BH says, hi, what are your thoughts on the Warren Buffett 90-10 portfolio for 30K IRA? Thanks. So if you guys are not familiar with the Warren Buffett strategy, uh, once Warren Buffett passes, he's going to leave to his wife uh, 90% of the assets in a Vanguard S&P 500 index fund and 10% in uh, short-term cash. Uh, What are my thoughts on that? I, it, you have thirty thousand dollars in your IRA. Uh, by the way, again, it depends, BH, how old uh, uh, or not how old. I don't want to ask you how old you are. How far is your time horizon from now? Ninety ten can be pretty aggressive for a fifty year old, but for a twenty or thirty year old, it's fine. Um, it's nothing wrong with the the strategy. By the way, I think it's it's a brilliant strategy. It it will do better than 85, 90% of what investors can do. So it's not going to lead you astray. Is it the most diversified? Well, it doesn't have international. So I would say no. Um, and not that I want something, uh, like I said in the podcast, not that I want anything bad to happen to the U.S. economy, but it's good to have a little bit of a hedge in case the U.S. economy does uh, sputter a little bit, that you have a little bit of a hedge in the international side and we're kind of becoming a global economy. So there will be companies on the international side that will eventually end up doing better than the U S I think, I think a lot of people think that too. It hasn't happened, but doesn't mean it won't Uh, no uh, country lasts forever at the top. Right. So, So I think now I just saw that Jeff Bezos got surpassed by the, um, by the owner of Renault, which is that car manufacturer in Europe. So, I mean, it just, you know, it's it's a world economy and, and having a little bit of an international would help, but not, nothing wrong with the uh, Warren Buffett strategy of 90-10, especially for a 30K IRA. Um, once you maybe have a $250,000 IRA, I would say then maybe yeah, you should look at possible inter international. All right, we got David again says, what are your thoughts on just FSKX for a taxable account? Um I like it, David. Again, I'm going to go back to now my new stance on taxable accounts and the fact that uh, I only uh, will be holding ETFs and FXKX is a mutual fund. So it does have a potential to pay capital distributions in a taxable. Uh, so maybe, maybe you can swap that depending on you know where you're at in your portfolio, how much you have, what kind of gains are you looking at? Or, or just going forward, maybe just start investing in something like uh, VTI or ITOT instead of FXKX to squeeze out an additional, you know, five to ten basis points uh, in in uh, tax drag. But other than that, uh, you can keep it simple. In my tax advantage accounts, in my in my four hundred one k, both my wife's and mine, for almost two and a half years, all we had was FXKX each of us, and we worked really hard to build that to a $100,000 position before we started uh, playing with any other funds. So uh, I like it as a strategy, maybe not so much in a taxable anymore uh, after what happened with FISVX. Not that that will happen to FSKX. I really don't. Uh, it, it's a large blend, low turnover, but uh, never want to say never. So there's a better way to be more efficient there. Uh, Conscious says a small cap value is the GOAT. Yeah, it is. I mean, guys, I don't want to sound like I've soured on small cap value. I have not. I love small cap value. Um, I'm just careful in in a platform where I I have uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching. Uh, 
that I don't want to recommend something that I don't uh, 100% follow myself, right? I've always been fully transparent and I'm in 20% small cap value and that's what I recommend. Um, would it be better to be 50% uh, small cap value? It might be. Actually, it probably will be. But can I hold 50%? No. So I, I just don't feel right uh, coming here and recommending it. So, but yeah, small cap value is the goat. It really is. And if you're, if you're young enough, especially if you're young enough, throw a little bit in there, uh, whatever you're comfortable with, throw a little bit in there. And, uh, it could mean like Paul Merriman says an extra half a percent over a investing lifetime could mean an additional million dollars, which is crazy to think about that a little bit of a half a, per, a percent of outperformance could mean a potential million, but it can. So uh, only with small cap value. MSP says beginner here who wants to wait beginner here who wants in little what's up brother. Wait, what beginner here who wants in little what's up brother. You want in what MSP? I'm not sure if you're still in the chat, if you want to retype your question or is that just a statement? I don't know, man. Uh, but shout out to you. Conscious says, ITOT is great. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a it's a running joke now in our Discord, but yeah, nothing wrong with ITOT. Um, I think you know Schwab doesn't get enough love. iShares doesn't get enough love. Uh, they all have good uh, ETFs. It does. It's not all about Fidelity and Vanguard, guys. If you have a Schwab, and I'll be reviewing some portfolios tomorrow. Uh, Baresh, I don't know if you're in the building, but your portfolio is going to be reviewed tomorrow. Um, he has mainly Schwab and he has done a wonderful, wonderful job with his Schwab portfolio. So it's not like Fidelity or Vanguard are the only institutions that you can do this. You can do this literally on M1 Finance, on Schwab, on uh, BlackRock, with any ETFs you want to use, any brokerage that you want to use, feel free to use it. Uh, the fact that we're talking about low cost investing index funds, broad based, that stuff can be applied into many, many different uh, platforms and many, many different uh, issuers as well. So yeah, it is great. Kyle says, can you, oops, sorry. Can you go live more often, bro? Yeah, bro, I can. Um, Kyle, I don't know if you missed the uh, intro, but I started a second channel. Let me go ahead and leave the note here for my second channel. I still don't know how to, guys, I'm, I'm such a, no offense to the boomers, but I'm with you guys. I'm such a boomer sometimes. Um, I can't uh, figure out technology for the life of me, but I'll just comment there as my second channel. You guys can go over there and follow me on that. But that will have a live stream um, Tuesdays and Thursdays once I get that channel up and running. We'll be doing a live show every Tuesday and Thursday with the goal of eventually turning it into a call-in show where I'll take live calls. Of course, I'll answer all these uh, questions in the chat and all that stuff as well. Uh, we're going to be doing a Dave Ramsey style over there on the Monkey Finance Show. Uh, there's the little note down there. I wonder if I can pin this. Yeah, I can pin the message. So now it's pinned. I don't know what that means, but I think pin means it's at the top. I don't know, guys. Like I said, I don't, I don't know how to work this stuff. But yeah, uh, Kyle. Oh, yeah, there it goes. It shows up there. There it is. So all you got to do is click on that and hit subscribe and look for live content like this uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right. Who's next? Thoughts on QQQ. That triple Q's. Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask on this, but I've done a lot of research into QQQ. Um, and 
it performs in big bursts really well, uh, like in the dot-com bubble, and it underperforms in bear markets by a lot, by like 80%. Um, so from 2000, from the peak of the dot-com bubble till March of 2016, actually, before I lie, let me get this, let me get my facts right. Um, I can't possibly know all of these numbers, but let me take a look. So yeah, from the uh, from the time that it peaked, which was at $111 on March 3rd of 2020, it didn't get back to $111 again until March. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So peak to peak, March uh, 3rd of 2000, not 2020, apologize. March 3rd of 2000 to October 23rd of 2015. So over 15 and a half years, QQQ stayed flat. So that's the peak of, of the dot-com dot com bubble till October. So 15 and a half years, uh, if you would have bought at the peak and stayed at the peak, uh, you would be flat for 15 years of your investing uh of your investing journey. So what does that mean? Well, that means that if, again, you're somebody who's 45 and I can't predict if QQQ is at the peak now and what kind of crash will happen. I'm sure there will be one. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the stocks that QQQ, I can't even say it. It's so funny to say a lot of the stocks that QQQ uh, owns are going to be a hit hard because it owns a lot of technology. I think 50% of it or so is technology and the top 10 are make up almost 50% of the fund. And it's got things like Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Facebook. And when you look at PEs for a lot of those stocks, I don't know how much you're into fundamentals and how much you like looking at 10 Qs and all that. But if 10 Ks, if you uh, get into basically the PEs, just looking at a surface level, get into the PEs and a lot of these stocks. A lot of the, the, the hype in these stocks has been priced in like Tesla, for example. Um, Tesla rode up like crazy the past year and a half and nothing. I mean, yeah, the business almost went bankrupt in 2018, but other than that, and it mass producing now the model three and all that, Nothing crazy has gone on that would justify it, its evaluations at this point. Same thing with uh, Apple doubling in a year after COVID. Um, I don't even know if I can say that word on YouTube. I don't want to get shut down after the C word. Um, a lot of companies in the QQQ, right? Their, their evaluations don't line up with where their current fundamentals are at. And there's only one direction to go after that, and that's down. And unfortunately, those stocks do get hit. Amazon is another one that's going to get probably hit. Um, it just, it's, it's risky, right? It's really risky. It's great if you're catching the run up, but you know, if you're on the way down, can you stomach a 80% uh, a loss or so? That's, I, I don't know. That's something you're going to have to figure out, Kyle, but good question. Eric says, how about the zero expense fidelity funds and a taxable? Is that good for 20 plus years in the account? Um, it is and it isn't. Again, uh, the zero expense ones are mutual funds. They're not ETFs. So they, while they're better at efficiency, they only pay out uh, distributions once a year, uh, dividends and capital gains, um, only once a year, which is good. They have low yields, which is good, but they still have the potential to drag down your portfolio a little bit with the tax drag if they pay out 
higher capital distribution. So I would still say, even though there's zero cost, it might be better to go with the ETF in the taxable. Uh, that's my stance going forward, at least. I don't want to leave anybody astray and say, hey, these funds are great. Uh, and then they get hit with a capital distribution like uh, what happened with FISVX. Again, they won't probably get hit that hard. I know that for a fact, actually, but they will eventually pay capital distributions. There's no way around it. So yeah, Eric, I don't recommend them in the taxable. Um, thoughts on 100% S&P 500 portfolio. I like that. Um, zero, um, that's your name, Zero. I like 100% S&P, especially if you're in... Um, if you're in the early uh, stages of, of of growing your wealth, uh, like I was in after I paid off all my debt in 2019, I didn't, first of all, know a lot about investing back then. I, I knew barely anything, but I knew that, one, I needed to put my money in something that can grow consistently and over time. And I found a uh, FSKX, which is the total market. Uh, S&P is essentially the same thing. Uh, S&P is about 70, 75% of the total market. Um, misses some of the small cap stuff, but you know, it's got even, believe it or not, it's got some mid caps in it too. Uh, but yeah, if you want to go 100% S&P and let that ride for your first $100,000, it'll probably be the fastest way you're going to make 100000 outside of hitting like a lottery stock or or hitting the lottery or maybe, uh, you know, getting lucky in a uh, uh, a coin IPO. What's the, where are those... I think there's a name for when coin cryptos IPO. I don't know what the name is. Coin initial coin offering ICO. That's what it's called. Um, unless you get in like a moonshot crypto or you hit a meme stock or you hit the AMC squeeze, that won't ever happen. Unless you do something like that, um, your best bet is going to be 100% S&P till you build your first hundred thousand, and then from there probably diversify out into uh, other asset classes. Uh, such as uh, international stocks uh, through index funds, of course, not individual, not on an individual basis um, and things like that. So, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with 100 percent S&P 500. Uh, it's probably worked for a lot of investors. And like I said, I use the similar strategy myself with the total stock market. Jay Andrew, shout out to you. Jay says thoughts on FSSNX. FSSNX is the Fidelity uh, small cap blend index fund. I think it's a really good fund. It's got a low expense ratio. I think it's two or two and a half, maybe three basis points. I don't know now off the top of my head, but it's really low. It's a good fund. It's all encompassing Russell uh, 2000 fund. A great fund to own if you're looking to get some additional small cap exposure. Again, uh, just don't keep it in a taxable J, but if it's in a tax protected account, and you're, that's the goal. You're looking to get a little bit of a small blend exposure. I think FSSNX does a good job doing that. Eric says, it means drink. Cheers. All right, cheers. My mouth's getting a little dry. South Richmond says, QQQ has its own TV commercial. They're pushing it. Who's pushing it, man? <laughs> These dang YouTubers pushing QQQ, huh? Ah, oh, man, I don't want to. I don't want to alienate uh, myself from my uh, fellow YouTube compadres. Um, YouTube's a funny uh, space. I don't know, South Richmond. Are you a content creator at all, or no? Or you just watch a lot of us content creators? I think people, you know, it's kind of like uh, people see one person, you know, doing it, and then they jump on the bandwagon and they do it, and then. And then before you know it, like the same type of funds are circulating 
on, on, on all these different finance YouTube channels. I, I blaze my own path. I, I don't watch a lot of other people's content one, because, uh, I like to be, um, as clear minded as possible. I get a lot of my information from my own research. I don't want to get it from other people Two, Um, I know that a lot of YouTubers are just like me, so we really don't know a lot. We're learning as we go. Um, we're filming out of our spare rooms, uh, obviously doing this as side hustles. Some of us are doing, doing it, uh, full time, but, uh, I don't know if, if there's probably a lot of people pushing one fund or one stock or whatever the case is, I would ask a lot of questions, uh, why that is because most of the time is just monkey see monkey do. That's all it is, man. There isn't enough research behind it. There isn't a lot of people, uh, a lot of people's strategies fall apart when you ask them a simple question, why are you in that strategy? And they can't answer that. Right. But they're in it. So maybe they're in it because they saw a YouTuber do it. Or maybe they're in it because of whatever reason. It's 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 terrible. Investing should be uh, a well thought out process, and it shouldn't just be you know putting your money in what the YouTubers are hyping. But hey, what do I know, right? Let me get off my soapbox here. Anna Tilly, thank you so much for the super chat. Anatilly says to the second channel of Moki to the second channel. Hopefully, it's a uh, as successful as the first. Cheers to that. Thank you, Anatilly, for the support. All right. Demancy says, my rule of thumb, uh, ETFs and taxable mutual funds and tax deferred, set it and forget it. There you go. That's some good advice right there. That's something I can get behind. Um, yeah, I'm, it's really that simple, guys. I mean, I know we do this. Uh, I do this uh, YouTube stuff and I talk a lot, and but it's not. Investing is super, super simple when you when you break it down to its uh, simplest form. You buy, uh, the earlier comment was 100% total S&P portfolio. If you're young enough and you're, you don't have a lot of money, buy 100% S&P and just stick with it. Ignore all of my videos for the rest of your life and you'll probably do better than most people. Of course, uh, there is a little bit of uh, additional things you can do, a little bit tweaks here and there. Um, but other than that, it's super simple. So uh, good stuff. South Richmond says, nah. Television commercial by Invesco. Oh, you're talking about the commercial. Never mind. I thought you were talking about the YouTubers pushing it. The commercials. Um, yeah, I wouldn't buy a fund because I saw it on a TV commercial either. Um, not too, um, not too big on Invesco products uh, to begin with. A lot of them are lower fees. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like if a fund is good enough, it doesn't need to be advertised, right? Like it's that. Uh, what's that saying about the? I saw this on Instagram. Oh yeah, Lamborghinis, uh, uh, either Ferrari or Lamborghini. Their marketing budget zero because they the people that their target audience doesn't uh, doesn't watch TV. Um, who who the people who buy Lambos and Ferraris? So it's the same thing, you know. If Invesco is pushing these TV commercials, uh, their target audience is someone who likes to pay fees. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I'm gonna say on that. Aram Tas, what's up, Aram? Uh, why Bogleheads don't like small value? Uh, the Bogleheads are an interesting bunch, Aram. Um, why don't they like small value? I think they don't like small value because John Bogle doesn't like tilting to value or to growth. Uh, 
you'll see, and I know you've been reading the little book of Common Sense Investing, but you'll see in his other books too, he goes a little bit deeper in discussion in this. And he says that uh, one year, uh, year uh, growth might be in favor. The next year value might be in favor and back and forth they go. He's done a lot of charts and studies on this. And Bogle's stance on that was um, tilting to one or the other would, would create speculative trading so that people that uh, like growth uh, would go into growth when it's in favor. And then they would try to time growth and jump out of growth and go into value when value's in favor. And then they would just kind of be trading between one another. So, you know, Bogle never liked the idea of trading and, and speculating. So that's probably why the Bogle heads don't like it. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's my my best educated guess from reading Bogle's material and kind of some of the stuff he talks about when it comes to uh, uh, small uh, small companies. And, and also he doesn't, I guess, talk about small value in general in, in specifics, but he talks about small companies. And then he also talks about value and growth companies and how he doesn't believe in in in, in splitting them, um, splitting them up like that. He believes in in owning all of them. But that's that. Jay Andrew, what other channels on YouTube do you follow? Um, good question, Jay. So one of the channels I like to follow is CoffeeZilla. Uh, CoffeeZilla puts out some uh, really good pieces about exposing um, social media influencers and YouTubers and exposing uh, a lot of the stuff behind the scenes that goes on. So it's kind of funny and entertaining uh, for me because I'm be me being a YouTuber and kind of seeing this stuff firsthand. Uh, it, it is funny. So I do like CoffeeZilla. Um, who else do I watch on YouTube? Oh, by the way, uh, so there's a Bogleheads YouTube channel now. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you're still here, but Kevin brought it to my attention in the Discord. You guys should check it out. So it's basically all of the uh, uh, Bogleheads conferences. John Bogle speaks on them. So that's been another guilty pleasure of mine. I've added a play. I've created my own playlist of all the conferences so if you want to subscribe to it, it's Bogleheads. If you just uh, YouTube it, you'll see it. Uh, they just came out, I don't know, not even a week ago. So it's still they're still adding content. But it's another channel now that I've started to watch. But for the most part, it's weird, man. I don't watch a lot of other YouTuber stuff. It's uh, when you know how the sausage is made, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's different, right? Like when you know how it's made and, you know, everything that goes into it. One, I don't have a lot of free time to do it. But two, there's not really a lot of people that um, do enough due diligence where it's, you know, just people uh, spewing opinions instead of facts. So I, I choose not to watch them. Uh, Zero says, yeah, that's my goal for the first 100K. Then I will diversify more outside of the S&P. Uh, yeah, Zero, that's a, that's a very good strategy. I think, um, again, not to uh, beat a dead horse some more, but it's so simple. It is just, it, it's your best way, like I said, to get to a hundred thousand. And then from there, you just decide if you're comfortable doing it the way you did it, keep doing it. And another thing I want to mention too, is, you know, with dollar cost averaging, it does help to uh, buy a different price points too, because I'm assuming you're not, you know, you're not just going to drop a hundred K into an S and P 500 fund. You're probably going to build it over time. So as you continue to dollar cost average, sometimes you'll buy market highs like we are in today's environment. And then sometimes you'll be buying uh, cheaper at, at market lows. So you'll be able to get more shares. Uh, but the nice part about that is you're kind of following whatever the market's giving you, right? So if you're, 
investing in the S&P 500 index fund, it's low cost. That's one good thing. But then if you're also not timing your buys and trying to get the most optimal buy and you're just kind of dollar cost averaging across the board, you're really going to get the closest return to the market minus whatever the, the expense ratio is of that fund. So it's really the best way to do it. It's again, uh, I recommend that for anybody who's a beginner investor. I know uh, you guys might see a lot of stuff on social media, especially on YouTube about crypto, about uh, meme stocks, <laughs> AMC, GME. What are some other ones? Uh, why can't I think of these? Uh, what's that Chinese company? There are EV Chinese company, Neo, Neo. Um, all those stocks will get you to the moon. There's uh, YouTubers talking about uh, home run plays, um, you know, doing a, a, a options trade for one day to hit a home run for 100%. Uh, there's that. So, uh, yeah, th 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 those won't be the ways you're going to get your first 100000 But the S&P $500 cost averaging, low cost ETF, if it's in a taxable, avoiding taxes is going to be the way. What's up, Scott? Uh, another private member in the house, Scott. Says, I'm okay checking in. Hopefully, you're doing well, Scott. I uh, haven't heard from you in a while on the Discord. I know you're a busy man. I know you're enjoying uh, the uh, fruits of your labor there. Scott's a brilliant investor, um, a really, really smart investor, one of the smartest investors I've met. Um, and uh, Scott, thank you for the support and, and being my first member um, and the first ever Monkey Finance member. I'm never going to forget that. That was Scott. So thanks a lot, sir. I appreciate it. Hopefully, everything's going well. see how we're doing on time 709 what do you guys think you want to go another 15 20 minutes or do you want to cut it here you guys tell me and uh we'll go that way i'm having a good time if you guys are we can keep going if you got more questions um if not i do have one other thing i can talk about uh which i'll talk more about tomorrow as well but it's uh about uh about uh, what i'm doing with my taxable see what scott says he says all is well that's good to hear man uh uh glad you're staying safe out there wherever you are in the world scott and uh keep uh, keep living the dream man uh vic lao says should we avoid mutual fund should we avoid mutual and index funds and taxable accounts uh yes vic um yes you should i i've uh, made a video i think it's the last video i just made about about what happened with me uh, Scott even says taxable account. I use ETFs. See, I told you Scott's a good investor, guys. Uh, you should listen to him. Yeah, um, you should avoid it in your uh, mutual funds. Uh, you shouldn't avoid index. Index ETFs you can use in your taxable, perfectly fine, but um, uh, but uh, not mutual funds any longer. Tony says, how good is FZROX? Tony, it's pretty darn good. Um, it's a zero expense ratio total us stock market index fund um those things uh mixed together shouldn't be allowed zero expenses and index funds i mean index funds are low cost to begin with but zero uh it's pretty good um so again i i would i would advise against in the taxable but tax advantage perfectly fine uh i do own it in my traditional ira I own, uh, I don't know how much I own in there, maybe six or 7,000 uh, or so. So I do own that fund in my traditional IRA. It's tax deferred. Um, it's actually, surprisingly enough, it's done better than FXKX has in my Roth this year. So, and I mean, 
they're going to be very similar. It's not like FZROX is going to do uh, 25 basis points better than FXKX. At, after you stretch it out over a 20, 30-year period, uh, one and a half basis points versus zero basis points, who knows, right? Like, it, it, who knows what they're going to do? But it is a good one uh, if you're looking for broad diversification. Uh, Tony says, can I open one for my boys? Well, are you talking about, uh, are you talking about, what are you talking about, like a 529 account or an Upma account? Uh, Conscious says, wonder if there'll ever be a zero expense ETF. Um, yeah, man, that would be interesting. I don't know. I don't know why Fidelity hasn't gotten into the index ETF game yet. Uh, they're playing around with these dividend index ETFs that they have, but uh, I don't know why they haven't gotten uh, gotten around into creating their own ETFs. I think they would be very popular because there's a lot of people that apparently like Fidelity. I'm not the only one. Scott says QQQ, NASDAQ, SPYSP500, IWM, Russell 2000. Yep. Those are the ETF versions, the more popular ones. Um, SPY is probably, SPY, QQQ, and IVM are probably some of the most traded ETFs volume-wise on the markets today. Um, but yeah, they're perfectly fine to use in taxable. Vic says no FZROX in taxable. Vic, again, it goes back to the potential that it can uh, pay out capital distributions, right? That's why we don't want it. Um, I've had a situation where I had a fund payout capital distributions. And while it's nice that you're getting a capital distribution, if you're not using it to live off of, if you're just reinvesting it, um, it really makes no sense. So yeah, no, no FCRX and taxable. Tony says they are young. Okay. So Tony, I, I created, uh, I, I started a Fidelity 529 account with the, uh, the new unique New Hampshire one, and it's got a Fidelity total market index fund in there. And that's for for my boys, uh, college say not college for his school savings. So, um, yeah, you can use it. You can create something of that if you if you want it for educational expenses. If you don't want educational expenses, you can create something like an Upma account. Now, Upma accounts are custodial accounts. They don't have the same tax advantages as five twenty nine accounts. So be very careful too um, with Upma accounts. Um, there there is taxes involved there. Um, so just be careful with that. If you do end up going that route, another thing with an Atma account is when they turn 18 is their money. Um, so if, if, if they don't want to listen to you, um, once they turn 18, they could just say, Hey, thanks to, uh, Tony for all this money. Now I'm 18, I'm an adult and I'm going to go blow it. Um, 529, you're still in charge and you can always change beneficiaries if you if your kid uh, turns out to be and no offense I'm not saying your kid specifically but I'm saying if if your kid turns out to be uh, a spoiled brat and they don't want to listen I say hey sorry little Johnny but uh, I'm taking this and giving it to your sister or I'm taking this and I'm going back to school myself and you don't get any of it now so uh one other thing to consider uh Jay says, can you quickly explain the whole ETF versus index fund, the taxable thing? I tried to watch your last video, but couldn't really understand it. Okay, Jay, let me do my best. So the way that mutual funds are structured, uh, they're kind of like a mutual fund company. Uh, you think of us as investors, we pull our money together and uh, we give our money to Fidelity. And Fidelity takes our money and then they go buy the underlying assets of whatever that mutual fund is trying to do. So I'll keep it real simple. Uh, S&P 500, FS, FXAIX, right? We give our money to Fidelity. Fidelity 
uh, goes in there and buys the underlining holdings of the S&P 500. Now, let's say, Jay, you decide, I don't want to hold FXX anymore. I want to hold FSKX. In a mutual fund, because we've all pulled our money together, you can sell and the fund to create, if the fund doesn't have cash because it pulled money and invested right away, it's going to have to sell shares of the securities in that fund. So, Jay, it can cash you out and say, here you go. You can leave the fund now. Um, that can create taxes uh, for the mutual fund. At the end, uh, depending on the schedule of the mutual fund, the mutual fund, uh, if it has uh, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term uh, gains by doing this buying and selling, it will pay them out in a form of a distribution to us, the investors in that mutual fund. This is really tax inefficient in a taxable account because the mutual fund doesn't pay the taxes, we do. So yes, it does distribute, you know, like uh, FISVX gave out $2 a share, but if you just take the $2 and share uh, uh, and reinvest it, the stock price or the share price drops by that same amount. So it's, I'll go back to the example of FXCIX. You say you want to pull your money out, whatever. You pull your money out, you go on your merry way. The rest of us uh, are going to be buying back in and the fund will be buying more shares. If the fund has a capital, um, capital gains by the time its distribution schedule comes, it will turn around and uh, spit those back out to the shareholders of the fund at the time. And us shareholders pay uh, uh, those gains depending on whether they're short-term or long-term. If they're long-term, we pay them at a qualified uh, uh, tax rate. If they're short-term, we pay it as an ordinary income, whatever our ordinary income tax rate is. That's very tax inefficient and a taxable uh, because those gains lowered the share price. So even if you reinvested it, you still owe the taxes. So over time, it, it creates something called a tax drag where it will... Uh, basically hurt your overall performance in the fund. Now, the reason the ETF is a little bit more special is the ETF uh, doesn't uh, doesn't do what the mutual fund does. If you want to buy an ETF and I want to sell an ETF, we can do it on the open market. You take my share and I give it to you. I get your cash. Nothing uh, is required of the fund manager to take your cash or my cash if I'm buying it or your cash if you're selling it and to buy more shares in that ETF to create more shares doesn't work like that. It trades on the open market. So there is very uh, less likelihood of creating capital distributions. Therefore, they're going to be a little bit more tax efficient because it's like trades like a stock. You know, we're just trading the shares between one another. Now, there is a difference in, in the price that you're buying them at. So a mutual fund, you buy at the net asset value price at the close of the day. So at 430 Eastern, a ETF, you can buy at any point while the market's open. Um, and you can buy it at whatever the bid ask, uh, whatever the bid spread or the ask bid price is. So sometimes, uh, uh, the if it's a lower volume ETF, that spread might be a couple of pennies. Uh, maybe like if you're looking at I don't know VTWV, it's a low volume fund. Uh, maybe the the stock price of VTWV at the time you're trying to buy it is say a hundred bucks, but because the spread is another eight cents, you might pay a hundred and eight cents to be able to get that hundred dollar share because uh, there's enough enough demand for it. So that's the real difference. Again, some of the ETFs that Scott mentioned, like SPY, QQQ, IVM, those are high volume ETFs. The spread on those is pennies. Right, you're going to buy SPY probably very closely to a fair market value, 
because you got millions and millions of people trading it every second. Like, I mean, it's traded like crazy. I think the volume always ends up being in, in triple digits when it comes to those uh, ETFs. So that's really the biggest difference and why it's better to hold. This is if you're going to buy and hold. If you're going to trade, you probably shouldn't trade in the taxable. You should trade in tax advantages, tax advantage accounts. But if you're going to trade, uh, I'm sorry, if you're going to buy and hold, then yeah, it's better to hold the ETFs because they uh, will not pay out those capital distributions. So hopefully, Jay, that explains it. All right. We got Scott recommending one Q. That's a good ETF, Scott. That's the uh, NASDAQ composite ETF. That's like the equivalent of uh, FNCMX, uh, the mutual fund. But one Q, I think, has a lower expense ratio. It's an ETF. Again, I'm not as um, bullish on the NASDAQ as maybe Scott is, but uh, it is it is a good ETF. All right. Let's see what else we got going on. Uh, does Fidelity have a S&P 500 ETF? They do not. Um, they don't, unfortunately. Other than FXAIX, which is a mutual fund, uh, they do not have um, their own ETF. Julius Caesar, Mookie, thoughts on Bill Ackman bringing, uh, I don't know if I can say that word, Julius, uh, PH public via SPAC. Are you being serious with me or are we just joking? Uh, I got to see this. <laughs> this has got to be a joke. Um, I think this is a joke, right? Yeah, I don't see any, any news on on Google here. You're trolling me, man. Wall Street bets. I want the PH IPO to happen. All right. Well, for, I don't know if you're being serious or not, Julius. If you are being serious. I know nothing about it. I tried to do a quick Google search, but I know nothing about it. Um, as far as the SPACs, um, SPACs are um, SPACs are interesting. Um, last year, SPACs hit like crazy. I was even partaking in some of their madness myself and Nicola and uh, Fisker would have been highly on as well. Haven't touched any of them since uh, last summer, but I know this year they've been most of them have been down over 70%. And even the ones that are announcing mergers, they're not having those pops uh, like they're they typically have had. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh Scott says, I prefer ETFs. You can sell call options on your ETFs. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can do a covered call strategy if you own over a hundred shares of an ETF. If you're looking at uh getting some potential uh you can uh, trying to get some potential uh, income off that. You can absolutely do that. Ty Wiggs says FZROX 70%, FZILX 20%, FISVX 10%. That's like the Mookie 3, 70, 20, 10. I like it. 1Q is the same as FNCMX that tracks NASDAQ. Yep, you're right. I think it has 1Q... Scott, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I think 1Q has a lower expense ratio, or am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, my issue with Fidelity ETFs is liquidity. Conscious can discuss in Discord. Uh, liquidity and Fidelity ETFs, yeah, I mean, they're not as, um, their volume's not as big as, as some of these other ones, absolutely. Um, so, I don't know. Fidelity has really butchered ETFs. I think they've gone about it the, the wrong way instead of starting and, and creating some broad 
low cost ETFs. They've decided to play these gimmicks and create these factor and dividend and all kinds of different factor ETFs that really do the investors no good, but I don't know. I'm not in charge of Fidelity, so they could do what they want. If I put 3000 in FZRX now for both boys until they turn 65 years old at a 10% return, 1.4 million plus for the boys. Yeah. If they're, if they're younger and they have a, a long time horizon, the only thing, if you, if you buy into low cost is an index as in broad based, the only thing that uh, works is having a long time horizon. So yeah, if they're young now and you just put a little bit away, I think, Paul Merriman talks about putting away 365 bucks a year until they turn 18. You could do the whole 3000 at once and just let it ride. Uh, obviously, excuse me, uh, obviously at uh, when they turn 65 uh, with inflation, it might not be worth 1.4, but you know, it is what it is. It's still better than zero. All right. What is that? Mucus of Wonder Home? Wonder Home? I don't know. I can't read your screen name. It says, I have 1Q and FCNM. I think you mean FNCMX as well. Everyone should consider being bullish on NASDAQ long term. Um, I'm not bullish on it long term, um, but that's just my opinion. I already did my uh, NASDAQ spiel. Um, Look up the NASDAQ. From what did I say? March 3rd of 2000 to October 3rd of 2015, it was flat. 15 and a half years, it was flat. And now it's gone on this crazy tear and it's going to go being flat again. So that's my, again, my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. I'm speculating, but that's just my opinion. I think a lot of the companies there are overvalued uh, for this day and age, but that's my opinion. Uh, what about Fidelity Go in a taxable account? Fidelity Go, that's the, uh, is that the advisory service, the the Fidelity uh, robo-advising service, I think. Vic, Vic. Um, I mean, if you're not comfortable doing it on your own, yes. But, um, you know, I don't think you need to pay Fidelity 25 or 50 basis points, whatever they're charging for that service, uh, when it's so simple to do it on your own. And I'm a voice for do-it-yourself investors because I'm out here doing it myself. And I've come across a lot of people like Scott too. Scott's a big DIY investor who's who's done it very successfully. And uh, let him and me be the people that say, hey, you can do this on your own. You don't have to pay 50 basis points to a broker to put you in broadly diversified ETFs. So um, that's my stance on Fidelity Go. Scott says Fidelity has blue chip ETF. Yeah, but Scott, a lot of their ETFs are going to be high, high, high uh, expense ratios. Scott says, when, uh, stay away from ARC. Oh, man, here comes ARC conversations. Let's go. Uh, stay away from ARC when bond yields go up. It will get wrecked. It will. Uh, ARC is holding on by the tiniest of, of threads right now. And, and Kathy Wood, God, I, I like Kathy Wood. I'm sure she's a great person, but. Uh, her investment uh, philosophy is very aggressive, and I don't agree with it one bit. Uh, I think she got that tail tailwind from Tesla. If you look at if you look at uh, Tesla stock and you and put Arc and Tesla side by side, and they both have that kind of parabolic um, uptrend. But now you know this year Tesla hasn't done so well, and neither has Kathy. So um, yeah, I wouldn't touch Arc uh, funds with a 20, 30, 50 foot pole. 
at this point. Um, it's just a matter of time, I think, before reversion to the mean kicks in. And what goes up must come down. It's a principle as good as gravity, as Bogle would say. Scott, what bond? Oh, this is a question for Scott. Scott, you can go ahead and answer that if you're still in here. Hey, Stanley. I see Stanley made it. What's up, Stanley? Another private member. Shout out to all of our private members. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to come on here YouTube full time and do what I love to do, which is to educate the masses. Big, big shout out to the private members. All right. Stanley says, in two days, Scott, I will too have the orange badge. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yes, so we will have some uh, people badging up here shortly. Scott, as I mentioned earlier, was my first ever private member, which I will never forget. Uh, But we do have some people getting ready to badge up, Stanley being one of them. And I think, Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, you are next in line to badge up too. Uh, The orange badge uh, is is symbolic. That's uh, six, I believe, six months of membership, if I'm not mistaken. And then your next level up will be the one-year mark, which will be an awesome celebration. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Really, thank you guys so much for supporting me. It really means a lot to me. Um, And can't wait to see your your badge change color, Stanley. Kofi says, how much do you recommend putting in a Roth for a 19-year-old? Wow, 19 years old. Kofi, good job. Um, When I was 19 years old, I was chasing uh, a lot of this and – a lot of girls, not so much my Roth IRA. So um, I would try. Uh, so Kofi, first of all, if you have if you have uh, earned income of $6,000 or more, I would try to max out my Roth IRA if you can. At the very minimum, I think you should put 100 bucks a month uh, that at your age. If you just did that for the rest of your life, you'd have a million bucks when you turn 65. Um, but you can do more. And I always preach more is better, especially when you're younger. The younger you are, the more you put in, the less you're going to have to work uh, later on. So look at me. I'm 32, full-time YouTuber, not working as hard as I did when I was 28 uh, because I put a lot of money in from basically 28 to 31, right? So, uh, And I got a late start in this. But at 19, I would just try to max that out if you can. But at the very least, 100 bucks will uh, a month will get you there and then i don't know if you're going to college or not but if you find a career later on and of course the money starts to flow in take advantage and put even more in scott says no bonds for him yeah scott no bonds for me oh no i take that back i do have some bonds i'll talk about that later uh not bonds for investing they're just kind of a placeholder for my down payment for my next property kevin says anyway to auto-invest in ETFs on Fidelity. What am I doing wrong? Uh, No, there is no way to auto-invest in ETFs. Um, Unfortunately, I think we did this uh, in our Discord. Conscious, did you end up calling? I think you called Schwab, right? And we know Vanguard doesn't do it, so Schwab didn't do it and Fidelity doesn't do it. I think the only uh, solution that I know of is M1 Finance. Cheap plug at your $50 if you use my M1 Finance referral link down below. Um, the only way you can do it is, is with M1 Finance in a taxable account and in a Roth as well using ETFs. I think, you know, Fidelity and these other brokerages will probably do it. I don't know. I don't know when. It, it just seems it seems silly at this point that they, they haven't caught up and that these, you know, startup fintechs are able to, but these big brokerage houses aren't. But yeah, there is no way to do it now. 
Also with, with M1 Finance, yeah, I, I do have an M1 Finance account, but I always tell this to people. I wouldn't trust M1 Finance as my main account. Uh, they are a startup fintech company. Well, I know they're doing great things and they're promoting uh, much better investment philosophies than, say, Webull or Robinhood. Um, they're still a startup. Don't forget that. And, you know, don't you make sure you, your money is insured. It is insured, of course, up to up to the SIPC half a mil. But I wouldn't be putting in, you know. $50 million in there. I know they just did this promotion where they'll give you like four grand if you put in 2 million, but I wouldn't put, if I had 2 million, I wouldn't put it there. Says Kevin, the only platform I know of is M1 Finance. Yeah, that's right. Um, more shout outs to M1 Finance. Um, thank you guys too uh, for a lot of people. I don't know if I've seen Kevin, are you in here? Not Kevin, Ken. The other private member, Ken, I don't see you in here. So, Ken, shout out to you for using the M1 Finance referral link. Hopefully, you'll get that 50 bucks soon. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool thing that M1 Finance is doing. I don't agree with what M1 Finance is doing with this 10% credit card thing because, you know, I'm not about that credit card life. But um, I think it's cool that they're giving uh, new people uh, 50 bucks to sign up. And it is a, a very beginner-friendly platform that you could sign up for and start uh, to invest. And the reason I think it's beginner-friendly and why it won't steer beginners wrong is because they have an auto-investing feature. So you can simply select these, uh, and this is not a commercial or a plug. Uh, this is just kind of me describing why it's a good platform for beginners. But uh, you can select these pies, which you know you can create a strategy of three or four funds or even one fund if you want. And you put on auto deposit and auto invest and it'll pull every week or every month, however you set it up from your bank account. It's going to automatically invest and it does this dynamic rebalance. So you don't have to go in there and tinker with your portfolios and make all these changes. Um, and you know how much I hate changes and tinkering. So it, it is really beginner friendly. It's got a really uh, friendly interface that you can use and figure out pretty quickly. So it's a good platform. Again, I just don't trust it full on to have like all my investments there just because it's really brand new versus Vanguard. It's been around for 50 plus years. Um, Stanley says in your last video, you commented about possibly leaving Fidelity for Vanguard. Can you expand more on that line of thinking? Yeah, I think Stanley, that was a little bit more to to uh, raise the suspense. Um, I, I don't think I would leave Fidelity for for Vanguard unless I really felt that you know Fidelity did some something that with their index funds that are no longer that would make them no longer index funds, right? So like I get it, FISVX I put on myself. That's one hundred percent my fault. I knew there was that potential and I just kind of felt invincible that it wouldn't happen. And I said, you know, it just, it wouldn't happen. And then it happened. Um, I'm still upset about the short-term capital gains from that fund. But, you know, if I, if I see uh, higher turnover funds at Fidelity, but lower cost, I would leave them for Vanguard uh, because, you know, these, some of these turnovers are not uh, increased turnover does not help us because um, the uh, Fidelity, not the Fidelity, the Vanguard, ETF, BTWV, has half the turnover of FISVX. Now, I've given FISVX a pass for the first couple of years because it's a new fund and assets under management are growing. It's a mutual fund. I understand it's going to have a little bit higher turnover. But uh, to to have that much in, in short-term capital gains is just uh, for an index fund is just unacceptable to me. Um, and Fidelity kind of uh, did, um, just like M1 Finance last year kind of ticked me off. Uh, when they couldn't, uh, when they fumbled my transfer, Fidelity ticked me off with that. They really did, and I, 
I, I know I come on here as a Fidelity fanboy. I really like Fidelity. I, I have most of my money in Fidelity. I think most of my net worth is in Fidelity. Um, but yeah, I would leave them in a heartbeat if if they keep uh, doing this kind of stuff where I think it's not in line with the investor's best interest. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Fidelity is a for-profit company. Um, they're a privately held company that it's at the end of the day, its main goal is to make profits. Of course, we as index investors, uh, we're not against that, but we just want low fees. We want low cost and Fidelity has offered that from day one. Um, and with zero minimums and all that, but you know, now that I do have, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars that I can move around, um, I don't think the minimums of Vanguard would be an issue. Um, Vanguard does have higher expense ratios. So that kind of drew me away from Vanguard, but you know, Vanguard, the way it's set up, it's more of a mutual, it's a mutual fund company. So there's not one specific owner. The, uh, it's kind of set up kind of like a credit union, which I love credit unions for this. They're kind of like non-for-profit mutual companies and um, the shareholders. So the people that invest in Vanguard funds are technically the owners of Vanguard as well. And then what Vanguard does is it uh, uses the fees off of these funds to to cover basic, uh, basically the, the operating expenses. And then after that, it's all uh, a nonprofit that's either returned back in, into the company as a reinvestment or it comes back into into shareholders pockets in terms of lower fees. Uh, so it's the same reason I use like a credit union structure versus a, a bank structure is because they're non-for-profit and the, the local credit union, for example, that I uh, have my money with, they pay me out at the end of the year, whatever profits they have, they pay it out in a special dividend to all of the, uh, all of the account holders. So I like that. I like mutual companies that um, have the account holders best interests in mind. So I think that would be one way I would leave Fidelity. If I see that, you know, Fidelity is doing a little bit of a bait and switch. Not that I'm I'm not seeing any of this. I'm not claiming any of this. Uh, I, I still love Fidelity, but you know, I knew that when the Fidelity zero funds came out, that was kind of a marketing ploy. I also knew that, you know, Fidelity, um, wasn't on board with index investing in, early on in the eighties and the nineties. Even, uh, you know, uh, they dragged their feet, kicked and screamed uh, in 2000s to get on board with index investing. So they were one of those companies that were trying to eliminate Jack Bogle and trying to eliminate index funds as something uh, that is uh, basically they said that it was evil. So, you know, those things I'm, I always keep in the back of my mind and I always understand that, you know, I, I think it's kind of uh, uh, stupid to have this belief that a company has your best interest in mind especially a for-profit corporation you know they put the interest of their share uh, their stakeholders first and then you're kind of the product right so that's you know some of the some of the line of thinking uh as far as why i could potentially make the switch but that's just me kind of blowing blowing smoke up and uh, trying to create some youtube drama i don't think i'm switching anytime soon but uh you never know um, there is no cost to switch, by the way, if you guys uh, want to switch out of Fidelity, it, uh, you can close. I called them. I already talked to them. Um, I don't think they know if I even have a YouTube channel, but I talked to a, a customer service rep and um, they uh, basically said, yeah, there's no fees if you want to do an account transfer out of Fidelity. Um, M1 Finance does have a fee. Um, I experienced that last year. They charged 200 bucks. 100 bucks to, to transfer and 100 bucks to close the account for the IRAs. Um, 
it, it depends. It's up to you guys. I, I, I'm not sponsored by anybody. And if I was, I probably would. Well, one, if I was sponsored by somebody, I would disclaim that to you. But two, um, I like using Fidelity because that's what I'm comfortable with. I've researched those funds. I mean, they got 61 index funds. I think I've gone through and spent at least half an hour on every single index fund. So I know Fidelity like I know the back of my hand. So it's kind of hard to just stop and leave and go somewhere else. But at the same time, um, if I see something that I don't like, um, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to take it and I will leave because, you know, it's my money and uh, I'm going to put it where I think it's best. And of course, I'll be making content about that if I do decide to do that. Um, I'll I'll let you in on a little bit of, of, of some of my other thinking, too, is as I've been thinking about this and FISVX. As I've been thinking about this and what happened with FISVX and looking at F, uh, the, the Mookie 3 equivalent with Vanguard funds, um, the, with FSAIX, which is more of a mid-value, mid small value. It's not a real small value. But looking at that and looking at some of the turnover over there with like 20 25% turnover on that fund versus 70 80 I had to ask the question, why does the Fidelity Fund have such higher turnover? Are they are they um, charging a lower expense ratio, but then using that to basically cover the cost in the, when they, when they turn the fund over, trading commissions, spreads, all those things? Because Bogle does warn against that. He says, "Be careful." You know, there's all these, uh, uh, as I like to call them, closet index funds. Some are pretending are active management funds, but they're really index funds. But then some are index funds but they're acting like actively managed funds and um, starting to, again, see things in FISVX that makes me believe it's an index fund acting like an actively managed fund uh, with that high turnover. So I'll be keeping an eye on it. Like I said, no changes as of now, uh, no plans to go to Vanguard, uh, but uh, it, it is something in the back of my mind. And as the year progresses, we'll see um, if if Fidelity improves, especially with FISVX, because I'm, I'm a big believer in that fund. I really love that fund. I put in countless and countless of hours, probably over, at the very least, probably 100 of hours into researching every little bit of that fund and, and going through the prospectus and reading every detail and making sure I understand it before I even brought it uh, in front of you guys to the channel and then before I put it in my portfolio. So we'll see what happens, Stanley. Um, but that's where I stand right now. All right, let's keep going here. We got MLO. Oh, actually, Conscious says you're hmm, you're making me want to go to Vanguard. Yeah, it does sound appealing, doesn't it? <laughs> Vanguard website interface looks as old as Mr. Bogle. Hey, that's not nice, uh, MLO. That's not nice. Um, I'll, I'll again. Do you want the interface to look nice and the products to cost more? Or do you want the products to cost less and the interface to look as it looks? Um, where do you think, who do you think p- pays for the interfaces to look really nice and these companies to invest uh, in their technology? Who pays for that? You do. I do. Uh, people that put our money, uh, that put their money in their funds do. So just understand you're paying for that. And if you, if you want the Cadillac, you got to pay for it. Uh, Andy says, Mucky, what's up? Love the live stream. Thanks so much, Andy. Peter Bell is in the house, says, I have used Vanguard, Fidelity, and M1 Finance, and I'm definitely, and I definitely prefer Fidelity. 
Um, thanks for that, Peter. Uh, Peter also says, I like M1 Finance, but not for my main portfolios. I'm right there with you, Peter. I, I, I like M1 Finance for beginners, people that are starting out. I think once you get some serious money, hundreds, and we're talking about $150,000, $200,000, I would consider uh, looking elsewhere. Zero says, I have my Roth IRA with Vanguard, but the website and app are outdated compared to Fidelity. Yeah, same thing, Zero. You know, ask yourself who's paying for that stuff. You know, one of the things that irks me is when people, uh, you know, say, Oh, I like uh, these big banks. Uh, I don't know if I should name them. I don't want to get sued by anybody. Well, it's my opinion. I can do whatever I want. So if you go to the lobby of Chase Bank, um, they got a really modern lobbies, they're really nice lobbies. Right, they got nicer furniture than you. Um, they the tellers have all these new fancy stations, the uh private bankers have all these new offices, they have second level for these executives, but their accounts pay 0.001% interest. So, yeah, you take your money there and they take your money and they make nice lobbies and make nice sky rises and make fancy mobile apps and interfaces and all this stuff, but at the end of the day. Uh, you have to ask yourself, uh, did you do you want this or is, you know, yeah, it's great to have a friendly interface, but as long as the interface functions and works, what's so bad about it? Like, you know, I know it's not the greatest of Vanguard. I've, I have a Vanguard account, a small one, and I know it's not the greatest. I never log into my Vanguard account for that reason. It helps me actually not peek. It helps me not look in there because I put some money in every month and I forget about it and it's keeps growing and growing i think the last time i looked at it was at fifteen thousand, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and i don't care um it's an account that i'm gonna put a thousand bucks in and never look at it i could care less how the interface looks um and i and you know i think you it's fair it's fair again uh to say okay the interface doesn't look good because especially like with some of these brokerages uh, like even with fidelity the fidelity mobile app is is garbage in my opinion. I know they're they got this beta version, but it's garbage. But hey, I, you get zero funds, uh, zero expense ratio funds. So what do you want, right? Well, even though you know Fidelity does have actively managed funds and they make their money through that, but uh, it, it's all relative. It's all relative to what you want and what you want to pay for. Conscious says, pretty sure Vanguard is reworking their platforms. They are. They are reinvesting back a little bit, but again. Uh, with a company like that, um, and same thing with the credit union they use, I keep going back to them because it's so similar. It's such a similar model, and Bogle was genius for creating it this way. That way, Vanguard would never have like one private owner or one public owner. It would always be a mutual fund company of mutual funds. But it's a non-for-profit model that works because uh, everybody gets to benefit from it, uh, not just uh, a few people at the top that own it. Uh, you know, Bogle could have got became a very rich man by creating Vanguard. He could have had the same wealth as Schwab, as the, as as uh, Abigail Johnson, uh, but he didn't. He, I think, when he passed, he had less than a hundred million dollar net worth versus the rest of these uh, company uh, creators who uh, founders. I mean, who had uh, in the billions. I think the Johnson family is probably worth a couple of billion now. I don't know. Uh, about Schwab, but I know the Johnson family is worth a lot. And it it really depends. Like Bogle didn't want that kind of wealth. He didn't want that for himself. He wanted to uh, spread, make sure that the shareholders benefited from that long term. And I think that's a noble uh, thing he did. Um, of course, you know, in this time of age where everybody is chasing to be a millionaire, a billionaire, 
nobody ever knows when it's enough. And, you know, one thing I like about Bogle is you always knew when it was enough. Uh, Money is important. It's a tool, but there's always uh, enough. And once you have enough of it, you don't need more of it. So I like that part about it because, uh, and I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you follow the news, but all the stuff with payment for order flow and Robinhood and Citadel and how Robinhood claimed uh, allegedly that they, you know, for the people they they eliminated trading costs but then with the payment to order flow system uh you're still paying for it just on the back end right so you're not paying an upfront commission but you're paying for it in the back end the financial services industry is a really scummy industry for the most part and uh anybody who supports uh the actual investor the individual investor the retail investor um, and any company that looks out for them is going to be a company that I would favor over a company that looks at their bottom line first. So that's kind of uh, my spiel on that. But yeah, Vanguard uh, Conscious, I have read that too, that they're looking to rework their platforms. I mean, I've already seen the last time I logged in, it looks different. There's like popping confetti and stuff like that. So they've got that part going for them, but I'm sure it'll get even better. Andy says, I started watching you back in February and March, starting my Roth with Fidelity in April before deadline. Taught me to keep it simple. Thank you, Moki. You got to listen to my Albanian bro. Thank you, Andy. Now, I'm not Albanian. I'm Bosnian, but amen. Uh, different. What's that saying? Uh, brother from another mother. We're, we're neighbors, so we're close enough. Um, but yeah, keeping it simple. I'm glad you started your Roth before the deadline. So hopefully you got to take advantage of that and max that out. And uh uh, hopefully you continue to do that uh, going forward and keep it simple, man. It's uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We just gotta, we just gotta um, uh, just do good enough and and we'll be fine. Michael C says, what do you think about FXAIX and FXKX in a Roth? Um, man, I, I, I get that question a lot, uh, Michael. They're really the same fund, man. So it's like uh, I don't I don't see the purpose of having a two large cap U.S. blend funds in in the same account. Like I don't know what it accomplishes. They probably will return uh, over 20, 30 years. They're probably going to return the same thing uh, as far as performance wise. I don't see what it accomplishes. But if you want to do it, you can. But I would say pick one, stick with it, uh, get rid of the other. If I had a preference uh, because I used FSKX myself, I would say pick that one, but that's just, it's, I have no idea which one will do better in the long run. They'll probably do the same. Andy says, ha oh my God, I thought you were, I'll still keep watching you without a doubt. Hey, that's all right, man. I, uh, I got a few Albanian friends, so you can, you can be another uh, one in the group here. Uh, but yeah, I, I am Bosnian. I was born in Bosnia. I came here as a war refugee in what, 19, 1998, 1997. I was a little one, eight, nine, 10 years old. I don't remember how old I was, but I came to America as a war refugee from a country that had a civil war. And um, I'm proud to, uh, I became a naturalized citizen in 2008. Proud to call myself an American. And uh, I'm so happy to be here and and have these opportunities and, and learn these investments uh, that, you know, in countries that I came from, we didn't, uh, I would have never stood a chance, uh, you know, making anything of myself. And here we are. And here I am uh, doing this thing as a refugee uh, from another country. So yeah, it's it's been a crazy wild ride for me. Uh, Zero says, what are your thoughts on the TSP, especially the Roth side of it? I was ready. I, I was ready that it can be rolled over to Roth IRA. 
Yeah, zero. So I had a podcast. I brought on a TSP expert, uh, DJ. I don't know if I haven't seen DJ in the chat tonight, but I brought DJ onto my podcast. It's episode 21. If you want to listen to it on my podcast, the Monkey Financial Podcast, there's a link in the description for it. And you can learn everything you want to learn about TSPs. It's like a 40-minute podcast episode. It's a good one. All right, we got Jim Bob in the house says, how are we doing on time? Oh, my God. See, every time this happens, I end up running late. So I'll cut it in the next 10 minutes. I got to get going. But thank you guys for hanging out. See, there's 50 of you in here. Thank you guys so much uh, for hanging out, uh, having a good drink. Hopefully, you guys got your drinks and uh, talking investing. So Jim Bob says, FXAIX, FBGRX, SCHD, 33% each in my Roth IRA it's my super fund. So I see what you did there, Jim Bob. You got yourself large blend, large growth, large value. Okay, so a couple of things I want to say. I I like it, and I know it's your super fund and you believe in it, but uh, the first thing that's a red flag is the FBGRX, actively managed large cap growth fund with an expense ratio somewhere in the 70 basis points. Um, you could probably do better with something uh, like uh, FSPGX. Second thing is why the uh, tilt to growth to value and then still have a blend fund, right? Like you're kind of creating a super blend fund. So it is a super fund. I don't know if that's what you meant by it, Jim Bob, but um, it seems like a a weird tilt. Like you're tilting to both, so you're just creating a blend at the end of the day. That's how I see it, but... uh, um, I don't know, man. If it works for you, I guess it works for you. Andy says, if I can't contribute further to Roth, is HSA next best account to put money in? Uh, do you mean you can't contribute, Andy, because you're raw, uh, because you don't meet the income requirements? Or do you mean because your Roth is maxed out for this year? If your Roth is maxed out, then yeah, maybe if you qualify for HSA, I don't know if you do or not, but um, no, it's maxed out. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the, here's how I do it. Right. So the first thing I look for is, uh, when, when it comes to investing is, do you have a free match from an employer? So if you have a 401k and an employer is offering you a match, I would put up to that match. If it's 2%, three, four five, whatever it is, invest up to the match. And then if your income allows you to, uh, then, uh, as long as your income requirements aren't too high, then max out the Roth. If you then have maxed out the Roth and you qualify for a HSA, which is a high, uh, health savings account, it's a you qualify for one. You can qualify for one if you uh, through your employer, like uh, me and my wife do, or if you have a high deductible plan that you might potentially qualify for HSA, you can do it that way too. You want to max that out. The limits on that are a little bit higher than the HSA. If you're a family, I think it's 71 or 72. I don't know if they recently raised it. Um, so you want to max that out. Uh, HSAs are triple tax advantage, goes in pre-tax, and it uh, grows tax deferred. And if you use it for medical purposes, it's tax-free. Um, so it's got a lot of tax advantages. After the HSA, you want to look. Uh, you want to look going back to the 401k. Do you have the option of maxing out the 401k if you have one? Um, ideally, if you have a Roth 401k, that would be great. If not, you can do the regular traditional or normal 401k, which is just a pre-tax account, uh, max that out. And then I would look at 529 accounts. Uh, if you have kids, uh, I guess you can open those even if you don't have kids, if you plan on having kids or if you plan on going back to school 
And then once you've kind of tapped out all those tax advantages that currently exist in the market, then I would go to a taxable account and start putting money there. So that's kind of the order I personally follow and what I personally recommend. Um, not everybody qualifies for all those different types of accounts, obviously. So depending on what you qualify for, you can skip some steps. Um, Conscious is asking, how do you move a Roth IRA from Fidelity to Vanguard? Do you just have to sell your Fidelity index funds, then transfer, or will they swap from Fidelity to Vanguard counterpart for you? So uh, it's I've never moved it with mutual funds. I've only moved it with ETFs. And with ETFs, they, they just swapped them. Uh, they took my ETFs and transferred them over to Fidelity when I moved them from, N1, from M1. Um, the mutual funds, I would honestly have to, I would say probably call Vanguard and find out, but if it's in a Roth, I guess you could liquidate everything, um, for the day of the transfer and move it over as cash. I'm sure they can move it over as a mutual fund as well, but then, you know, obviously you can't keep buying those mutual funds at, at Vanguard because they're fidelity mutual funds. Um, but that's a good question. I've never, never really thought about that. I've only done it once or I've done an account transfer twice. But they both times, one was cash and one was uh, where I had it in ETFs. So I'm not too sure. That's a good question. I might have to, uh, before I make the switch, I might have to call Vanguard. Just kidding. Um, but not really. Uh, so Zero says, uh, thank you. You're going to watch the podcast. After, you're going to watch the podcast after this is over. Yeah, it's a good episode. And like I said, DJ is is uh, very intelligent uh, when it comes to TSPs because he's got one. I don't have one, so it's hard for me to kind of speak on them when I don't have any experience in them. But he he uh, does a really good job breaking it down. Uh, and Andy says, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys, uh, all 47 of you. 40 likes. I appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for sticking around tonight. I know we went a little bit overboard, but that's all right. We always end up doing that. Thanks for watching. Uh, on your way out, if you can check out, I pinned it, the top comment, the Monkey Finance Show second channel. That's kind of the the purpose of this live stream was to tell you that I do have a second channel. I know there's no content. Don't don't yell at me yet. There will be content on there later. Uh, but if you can subscribe to that channel, uh, look out for that to get kickstarted here shortly. Like I said, the goal is to be a live show. We'll be live twice a week. Um, eventually, I'd like to do some like voicemail recordings and then even live call-ins and really um, get to talk to you guys and interact with you more. Um, for, and then, you know, this channel will be a regular upload channel where I upload three videos a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you guys uh, so much. I appreciate every single one of you that uh, commented, that st stood uh, the whole two-hour session with me. Thank you again to all of our private members uh, for supporting the channel. You guys rock. Every single one of you that stuck with me, I appreciate you. And uh, lastly, uh, I want to thank. Uh, lastly, I want to thank everybody uh, as well that wasn't able to make it. They'll be watching this on the replay. Um, you guys can always feel free to drop your comments, and I will do my best to answer those uh, uh, in 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 the future when you do comment on these episodes. You guys take care. Have a great rest of your night, and as always, remember: move obstacles, keep investing.